Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. Here with me is Dr. Andreas Kostenberger, who is the director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Seminary. Today we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Don Carson. Dr. Carson is the Emeritus Professor of New Testament at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He is the author of numerous books and the president of the Gospel Coalition. Dr. Carson, thank you for joining us today. It's my privilege to be here. Well, Dr. Carson, thank you very much for your mentoring and your friendship over the years. You know how grateful I am to you. And uh, it's been a joy having you here at Midwestern. We've uh, recently launched a biblical theology emphasis in our PhD program that has proven to be very popular. And you've followed biblical theological scholarship for the past several decades and have been an active participant in the field. So my first question to you has to do with the definition of biblical theology. In an address you gave to the Institute uh, for Biblical Research over 20 years ago, uh, you said... Uh, like apple pie, biblical theology is something most people find difficult to oppose, but unlike apple pie, biblical theology is rather difficult to define. So uh, how would you define biblical theology? When I wrote that, it was partly because um, uh, there were several competing definitions that were in the marketplace of ideas. Um, there is a sector even today for whom Biblical theology is merely an alternative way of talking about uh, systematic theology. If systematic theology is faithful to the Bible, why not call it biblical theology? Um, and other people use biblical theology uh, to talk about uh, a, a particular set of theologians. Uh, if, if you do what these theologians do, then you are doing biblical theology and so forth. But the dominant distinction between biblical and systematic theology today, I think, is, uh, is, the, is the best one. Systematic theology is a discipline that talks about theology, that is the study of God, in a systematic way, that is an atemporal way, without reference to time. It asks atemporal questions like, who is God? What are the attributes of God? Uh, what is sin? What does the cross achieve? What does the Bible teach us about sex? What is marriage? And so on, so on, so on. Those are questions that are uh, raised atemporally, and the answers, if given uh, atemporally, are largely um, belonging to the domain of systematic theology. Biblical theology, as the expression is used today, primarily injects into this discussion time. So it's not asking, what does the Bible as a whole say about God? But what does the prophet Isaiah in his time in the uh, 7th century before Christ uh, say about the doctrine of God? What does he contribute? And um, it, it asks questions like, how does what the Bible says about the temple 
uh, appear first in the Bible and develop with time through the tabernacle and the temple and the destruction of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, what Jesus means by claiming to be the temple, the church is the temple, until you finally come to a, a new heaven and the new earth. How does the whole theme across time of the temple develop within Holy Scripture and what, what do we make of it? So um, in, in this sense, the two disciplines need each other. Uh, the focus is a little different. Um, biblical theology does some integrative work, but it keeps its eye constantly on the development of of of, of the Bible storyline, and and because of that, it can ask questions about what the Gospel of John contributes. The systematic theology doesn't say what does John say about God. It says what are the attributes of God, what is God like, and draws from the whole Bible. Whereas biblical theology will talk about uh, the doctrine of God according to John or the doctrine of God according to Isaiah because it's focusing on the development of things with time through the canon and um, and and developing these trajectories so um, that's what uh, there, there are things that fall out of that but it seems to me that that's the um, the, 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 the the dominant distinction between biblical and systematic mm -hmm. theology biblical theology moreover because it's focusing on what happens in a particular biblical book or the like, um, it it tends to it tends to use the categories of the biblical book, whereas uh, systematic theology tends to use more synthetic categories because it's trying to gather up everything that the Bible says about a particular topic, like the word mission, for example. Yes, or for that matter, Trinity. <laughs> yeah, my first encounter actually with biblical theology was at uh, my first seminary class at Trinity, uh, an introductory course to biblical theology, which you taught. I remember, I think you introduced biblical theology into the MDiv program at that time. And uh, one of the many ways in which you've contributed to the growing literature in biblical theology is through the NSBT series, New Studies in Biblical Theology. Um, I believe the first one was published maybe 1995 or so, and there's been many volumes since then. Um, perhaps you can share some reflections on that series. Obviously, it's been a very successful series. Um, maybe you can more broadly share with us what you think accounts for the rise in the interest in biblical theology. Yes, we, we produce about three volumes a year, occasionally four. More than that, we would be glutting the market. Uh, but the result is that uh, more than 50 volumes are out now. And uh, another... 12 or 15 are under contract for the next four or five years. So we're, we're not adding more to the list until we clear the backlog just a wee bit. Um, uh, every few years, every five or 10 years, the publishers have in the past asked me, okay, we got enough volumes in the series, should we kill it now? And my answer has always been, um, well, if it's still paying its way, uh, even if it's not making anybody rich, if it's still paying its way, why not keep it going? And so they say, okay, and we produce another <laughs> few volumes. And in yeah. fact, the numbers are, are doing remarkably well. And, and uh, owing to the contribution of the authors, uh, who by and large have been, been careful to be uh, deep and probing, but not too technical and, and uh, mind-bogglingly obscure, um, the, the, the series is read broadly by pastors and, and others, not just sort of technical theologians or the like, but uh, interested lay people and so on. And, um, and, and as a result, other series have been spawned by other publishers. Um, several publishers have adopted a, a biblical theology list 
um, which which is the you know they they say that uh, uh, duplication is the nicest form of uh, of flattery, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I still think that the the NSBT series itself is still sort of the granddaddy of the lot. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it sets a certain kind of standard and approach, um, and uh, and more work is being produced and and more more interest is being generated. I I, I think it's the mysteries of the providence of God that have brought about a revival of, of, of biblical theology in our time. And uh, and with this revival of interest is meant a revival of interest in the series as a whole too. So um, uh, I'm, I'm sure that in some ways the series has helped to regenerate the interest and in some ways the regenerated interest has helped to, to uh, to, to promote the series it's mm-hmm. it feeds off itself in some ways or another but it's it's been a rare privilege to uh, to, uh, to 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 work on this for something like 25 years now for some of our listeners may not realize that this is built off of this old series of SBT studies in biblical theology so that it's probably the original um, Point of reference? Yes, um, th- there was an old series published by SCM in Britain, and mm. uh, and it, it, some of them were published over here as well. But uh, it was called, as you say, SBT Studies in Biblical Theology. They tended to be a little shorter mm. than uh, ours, and many of them were in the uh, uh, somewhat more liberal camp. Some mm. of them were really excellent volumes, and others were, in my view, not quite as good. But eventually, the series petered out. And after the series had petered out, um, uh, a couple of us, uh, somebody in British IVP and myself, we were talking about this one day and, and asked what would it take to, to, to start a series along similar lines, but with uh, staunch evangelical commitments. And so we, we got uh, clearance and authorization to run a few books along those lines. The early ones, I made the suggestions of who would the writers be and mm-hmm. uh, what the topics would be and when they were due and all of that. I controlled it pretty tightly. Mm-hmm. But as the series became more popular, then more and more uh, people were sending in offers. And so that it's relatively rare for me to commission something nowadays. Rather, people are are sending in authors, uh, author suggestions and title suggestions and subject suggestions and so on. And uh, I spend more of my time serving as a kind of policeman at the gate rather than an originator of, mm-hmm. of new topics. Mm-hmm. Of course, the series got off to a great start with David Peterson's Possessed by God as yes. one of my favorite volumes in, yeah. that, in that series. Um, Dr. Carson, in my work on biblical theology, I've, I've found that in terms of method, uh, a very important initial decision that needs to be made is that of one starting point, and you've touched on that already to some extent in, in your previous comment on, on how to define biblical theology, but uh, to, to, to build off of that a little bit further, some such as uh, Verum Poitras and the tradition that he represents say uh, rather unapologetically that biblical theology should start with systematic theology. Uh, others, such as one of my theological heroes, uh, the Swiss-German theologian Adolf Schlatter, argue that biblical theology should be primarily inductive, though, of course, pure induction is, is impossible. Um, I know you've uh, previously spoken of necessary, I think you call it feedback loops between the various disciplines I've seen that most recently in the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible. Uh, I wonder, would you care to comment on this difference in perspective? And 
Would you agree that there's a potential for confusion if various scholars use different methods but all call what they do biblical theology? Well, of course there's potential for confusion, but there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> that, that is, there's no police circle which can forces people to use the language in exactly the same way. Uh, uh, so so uh, when you're conversing with others who are using language and methods too, for that matter, in somewhat different ways, you have to draw attention to the differences and make allowance for them in your discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no there's no point bemoaning that. It's just it's just life. Um, but it sometimes can help to clarify why the differences exist. I would say that read sympathetically, both of those positions are simultaneously true at the same time, but not quite in the same way um, in favor of what Vern is saying. That is, um, there's a sense in which the givenness of all of Scripture um, must be part of the assumption uh, in a good Vantillian sense um, before before you do the breakdown of analysis and so on. Uh, I understand that. I sympathize with that. But in favor of the alternative is the fact that God himself has chosen to unpack various trajectories through Scripture step by step, step by step, step by step, and it's worth tra tracking out, teasing out what those steps are. And... Um, and 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 that is that is the very nature of biblical theology. Uh, so to set those two things against one another is is a mistake, or to reduce one by the other is also, in my view, a mistake. Um, uh, there is a sense in which in which um, it is not wrong to uh, po point out that as various themes, trajectories, and so on develop in Scripture. Um, uh, that developmental line um, becomes the foundation for doing synthetic stuff through all of Scripture on the same topic. But on the other hand, it's not wrong to say that once you've got that figured out, what the whole topic is about in Scripture as a whole, uh, then it's easier to to tease out the various contributing parts that have, have, have gone into building it up. Um, one does not have to set those things against each other programmatically. And, um, and it's probably... Uh, both professionally and methodologically wiser uh, to figure out ways in which uh, the two disciplines uh, uh, mutually contribute to the strength of the other. Mm -hmm. Well, um, maybe one more follow-up, if I may. In a, in a survey volume on different approaches to biblical theology, I believe you are featured as an example of a redemptive historical version of biblical theology in contrast to Biblical theology as historical description, for example, James Barr, or biblical theology as a worldview story, N.T. Wright, biblical theology as canonical approach, Brevard Childs, and biblical theology as, as theological construction, uh, for example, Francis Watson. Uh, are you happy with this taxonomy in general and with the characterization of you as practicing a biblical theology as history of redemption approach or uh, would you like to qualify this in, in some way, in what way that might be accurate, in what ways maybe your approach uh, it, you know, is more multifaceted, perhaps? Well, I hate to say that it's a bad book, but it's in danger of being a bad book, in my view. Um, and, and I wrote a long review of it somewhere. I don't even know where it is, but you, do you remember where it is? I can't remember. No, but I, I wrote a long yes. review of it somewhere. Um, and. Uh, um, 
because it, it seems to me to be uh, distinguishing um, uh, what something is with a function of what something is. Um, f for example, um, to, to say that I'm doing redemption, uh, historical redemption, history of redemption sort of a, a, a approaches while Tom Wright is is uh, doing something of a worldview formation. Um, but but his worldview formation is gr grounded in his understanding of the history of redemption. It, they're, they're not two methods. It's a question of what he does with it, how he allows it to function. And similar things can be said of, of, of other things. I, I don't think that it's analytically a really helpful book. Mm -hmm. It's not so much wrong as as muddying the waters, in, in, in my mm -hmm. view, in several respects. Yeah. And... Um, uh, too much, uh, too much hero worship of some people, and too much criticism of others. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's not the most penetrating book that I've read on the subject. Right. Yeah, well, maybe then a better way to look at it would be: I'm thinking of the lectures you delivered the last two days. I'm thinking of, for instance, uh, uh, your uh, lecture on uh, preaching from Old Testament narrative, uh, Genesis uh, 39, the account of uh, Joseph and. Potiphar's wife, how you pointed out intercanonical connections, even with with the book of Esther later on, and of course the Exodus uh, narrative. Uh, in that sense, to think of it in terms of uh, uh, pointing to salvation historical connections uh, across history, uh, would that be a better way of characterizing, you know, your the way you practice biblical theology and preach it as well? Well, yes, and that that could all be called redemptive historical. My my problem is not with a redemptive historical label; it's what that book does with a redemptive historical label, yes. distinguishing it from uh, something that Tom does and and, mm -hmm. and so on. Whereas whereas uh, whereas it's, well, what he does in his own mind is redemptive historical, mm -hmm. but but it functions in his mind as a worldview formation that shapes his hermeneutic of of. Of, of of Paul's reading of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. uh, so um, uh, I, I think that sometimes people spend too much time uh, worrying about the labels of these various approaches, whereas uh, whereas more time should be spent actually in the biblical texts themselves mm -hmm. uh, to see how they're functioning, how they work, and uh, but but the big difference in all biblical theological approaches. Uh, it seems to me, as compared with systematic theology, is this introduction of time uh, that, uh, that, that that reshapes the focus of, of what you're trying to do, of what you're trying to understand. And the reason for uh, using time as a category is 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 because uh, although it's right and proper uh, to ask what does the Bible as a whole say of something, that's the given at this juncture. Yet, uh, God in giving the Bible has given it across time uh, and mm -hmm. given it step by step, um, covenant by covenant, uh, uh, book by book, corpus by corpus. And and to understand how those uh, uh, books and chapters and narratives and so on um, grew and uh, became what we have, it really is important to be aware of the time factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really should not be revolutionary, some of the things that we're talking about. But, uh, you know, and, and you, you look at uh, John or, or Luke, and of course, they're profoundly salvation historical in the sense that 
we're talking about, but but my sense is that in much critical scholarship, um, their understanding of uh, of salvation history is is anemic, and uh, and uh, today also there's a lot of literary approaches that are uh, either a a historical or de-emphasize history altogether. So again, I think there's there's a bit of a vacuum in much scholarship when it comes to uh, understanding salvation history. So I think. Uh, Maybe the way you practice uh, and the way, the way I aspire to practice biblical theology can serve as a bit of a corrective in that regard. Would you agree? Uh, it's a corrective to those who have a high view of Scripture. To those who don't have a high view of Scripture, it's, it's not a corrective. It's something to be rejected. Um, uh, so um, some people use, uh, use, use biblical theology in order to describe uh, things at a purely historical level without much theology. It's a, it's purely descriptive discipline of uh, what various people have believed at various times across history. Uh, but there's no warrant for integrating this internally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, if you are uh, uh, a secularist or you believe firmly in, in philosophical materialism and so on, how else are you going to go? Um, but but on the other hand, uh, uh, I, as I use the term biblical theology um, in in our context, mm-hmm. that is in broadly evangelical context and distinguish it from systematic theology, um, it, it seems to me it's the time distinction that's that's fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. But but likewise, systematic theology is is also used differently in 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 in, in sectors of of the scholarly world where. Um, uh, there is no firm belief that God has spoken once for all in Holy Scripture, that all of Scripture is inspired by God and um, is, is, is uh, uh, profitable for learning and, and teaching and instruction and righteousness and so on. And so, so they're, they're, they're not constrained by the obligation to do integrative things. Um, so for many, many people in that sort of camp, um, uh, even where... Uh, they are theists and and believe loosely and roughly in Jesus, but but don't believe that the Bible is really all that authoritative. Um, then then often systematic theology as a discipline uh, degenerates into historical theology. Uh, that is, you you study the uh, the theological understanding of uh, Isaiah or of God or whatever in Karl Barth as compared with Calvin or something, an essentially historical exercise, and that's worth doing. Uh, but it is not constructive systematic theology. With constructive systematic theology, you're you're trying to answer the question: What does God say? What has God said in His most holy word? Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, to to try to argue for the superiority of of one form of systematic theology or another without reference to the uh, holiness and transcendence and binding nature of of Scripture is is partially a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.